Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next two hours. We will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com. Slash PGAN, and you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash PGAN. You can also hit us up on Twitter at GoForAgain where you can send messages to the show. The chat room is open, so you can hit us up on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash PGAN and talk sports, have fun doing it, talk tourney, and all the good stuff going on in the world of sports. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by newest wide receiver of the New England Patriots, Brandon LaFell. And Brandon signed with the Patriots uh, last week, I believe, three years, $9 million. Um, Last week with the Patriots, he signed with them. And we're going to talk to Brandon about signing with the Patriots and and joining Tom Brady in that crew. Also, we're going to be joined by 49ers corner Chris Culliver. Culliver is is coming off an ACL injury. We're going to talk to Chris about his, his, his comeback from his ACL injury. He also has, is hosting uh, a dog show out there in California, so we're going to talk to him about that. And also we're going to be joined by free agent safety Kerry Rhodes, and Kerry Rhodes uh, is a free agent right now. We'll see what interest is out there for him. We're going to talk to Kerry about that. And also his Louisville Cardinals. You know, a lot of people from Louisville chirping right now because they believe that the Louisville Cardinals should be, should be, and should be the number one seed, should be the number one seed where they're at. So the reality is they're not, but a lot of people believe that they do and should be, but they're not. And we're going to talk to Kerry about that, get his thoughts on that. And also we're going to be joined by Concordia University, former Concordia University defensive end Zach Moore. We're going to talk to Zach as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And the NFL draft is around the corner is around the corner, and and everybody, be clear about something. Be clear about something. I said it before on the show. I'll say it again. The reality is in the National Football League, the National Football League, the reality is that your best opportunity in, in terms of improving your team comes from the draft. So let's be clear about that. But we've got a great, great show lined up to you, with you. Great show lined up today. I mean, a lot of great guests. Chris Culliver at 235, Zach Moore at 210, Kerry Rhodes at 140, and Brandon LaFell at 110. Great show lined up for you today. Let's go to March Madness now. I mean, the madness of March, and it's it's always exciting. Obviously, and to me, again, the first two days, and I said this before, but the first two days of this tournament is the best part of this tournament. Because you, you have 
the David versus Goliath, that this is when Cinderella uh, comes to the ball and Cinderella starts to assert herself and, and come out, come on out. This is that time. March Madness, the tournament. This is that time. And it's an exciting time, obviously. And we look at some of the games yesterday and, and how – I mean – I am not a fan of the Duke Blue Devils, never have, never will be. So any day that the Duke Blue Devils lose is a good day to me. But anyway, Duke went down yesterday to Mercer. And the reality is this. I mean, I always look at it this way. With the one and dones now, you're going to have, you're going to see a lot more of this. You're going to see the parity in college basketball. And you look at Mercer, this is a team their two best players are seniors. Conversely, you look at Duke, their two best players are freshmen. So you look at it, the seniors, the two best, the, the Mercer team who has their two best players, which are seniors, those seniors are battle-tested. And I would argue that a mid-major team is more battle-tested than, say, you know, these teams in the bigger conferences because of what they have to do in order to get into the tournament. I mean, these teams have to be perfect in their conference tournament. So it's not enough just to win 20-plus games and win your conference tournament. That's not enough Win win the conference regular season. That's not enough to win the conference regular season. You not only have to win the conference regular season, but you also have to win your conference tournament. So those teams, in my mind, I look at it, those teams are the battle-tested ones. Those are the, the, the battle-tested teams, the teams that have to go through and win their conference tournament in order for them to get far or even get to the tournament, in order for them to get into the dance. So not only do they have to be successful in the regular season, but they have to, and, and that's not even enough, they have to be successful in the conference tournament. You can argue that it would be in their best interest to even be more successful in the conference tournament than in the regular season because, again, we've seen it. Well, Cal Poly, uh, this team is below 500, and they're in the tournament, and they're out, obviously, but uh, you've seen it. They were below 500 team. So the reality is I, I, I look at a team like Mercer as more – battle-tested than, say, a Duke because of what they have to go through in order to get to the NCAA tournament, what they have to go through, who they have to go through, what they have to go through in order to get to the tournament. So, I, I mean, I look at that as, as, as more battle-tested. And, and obviously those lower seeds beating up on the big seeds makes this March Madness tournament so, so exciting. Makes this March Madness tournament so successful. And it's one of the reasons we love it. And you look at yesterday's game. You look at yesterday, yesterday's game with Duke and Mercer to, to just show how, you know, one and done's are, are good. It's almost a good thing for college basketball. You could argue maybe it's not a good thing for the, for the NBA, but it's, I, I think it's a great thing for college basketball because it gives you parity. And one of the reasons the NFL is so successful is because of parity. Because you're not really even sure 
who is going to win it all. I mean, you have your ideas, you have your opinions, you have your beliefs, but at the end of the day, I mean, the teams that make it to them in the, make it to the playoffs in the NFL one year, uh, a good amount of them are not making it the following year. So you look at this whole situation now with this tournament and, and what we're seeing. I mean, Jabari Parker, yes, probably one of the best players in the country. But guess what? You know, Jabari Parker can't do it all. And also, guess what? Mercer is a team that's battle-tested. Mercer is a team that's played together. So you put all those together, you factor all that in, and, and you say, you know what? Yes, it's an upset, obviously, because they're the Duke Blue Devils, and they're, you know, number three seed. But you start to look at some of these things closely, and you, you wonder, really, is it an upset? I mean, they are. Mercer is the battle-tested team. They are the more experienced team. And experience wins in the tournament. Experience wins. And experience won, you could argue, with Mercer yesterday beating Duke. But, I mean, that's the beauty of this thing. And that's why I say the first two days, it's so great. And the, the funny thing, we all know America. America loves the underdog. America loves the underdog. And they love to see that David beat up on Goliath. And, and, and we seen that yesterday, David beating up on Goliath. I mean, you look at Coastal Carolina and Virginia. I was watching that game, and, you know, Coastal Carolina was, was, was staying with them. They were staying with them. And ultimately the talent that, of Virginia overwhelmed them down the stretch, and Virginia ultimately won the basketball game. But, you know, you've got to give them credit. And it's not surprising that these teams are sticking around. Florida – I mean, you, you look at uh, Manhattan and Louisville. You know, Manhattan stuck around against Louisville. Easily could have won that game. Easily could have won that game. So they stuck around. You look at Florida and Albany, uh, another game, 16-1 matchup. I mean, that game, you know, they stuck around. They stuck around. They stuck around, Albany did, and, and gave Florida a fight for their lives. They stuck around. So it's not surprising. It's, it's great, I think. And, and, again, you could argue, you know, Adam Silver, obviously if he had his druthers, one and done wouldn't be. But he doesn't. He doesn't. But one and done, to me, is good for the game. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the newest member of the New England Patriots, Brandon LaFell. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. And we're back, and we're going to be joined by a guy now who signed with the New England Patriots. Obviously, you look at the New England Patriots bringing in the Darrell Revis, bringing back a Julian Edelman. Obviously, you have Tom Brady, so you have a team that's very close to getting it done, and a team that was very close last season. I mean, he got to the AFC title game and uh, against the Denver Broncos. Ultimately, they would lose, but with Tom Brady, you always got a chance. And we're going to bring in a guy now who's going to be one of Tom Brady's weapons in 2014. Let's bring him in now, wide receiver for the New England Patriots, Brandon LaFell. Brandon, how are you, hey, man? I'm doing great, man. How y'all guys doing? 
Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. Is it still weird, man, that, that when I say the New England Patriots, Brandon LaFell, is that weird for you? Are you getting used yeah, to it? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's weird, man, because still when I see people, when I'm, when I'm back home, when I'm in Charlotte, and I, see, I see people, they still be like, oh, that's, that's the receiver from the Panthers. But, man, that, that's all changed, so I got to get used to stuff. People start saying I, I play for the Patriots now. Now, you look at it now, four years in Carolina, ultimately you decided to go to New England, three years, $9 million. You said the opportunity with Tom Brady factored into your decision. Tell us about that. Oh, man, it, it, it definitely did, man. You, you just got to think about it, how, how often do guys get a chance to play with a guy like Tom Brady, you know, a guy that's been to five Super Bowls, won three, you know, with all his credentials and the way he's consistent year in and year out. Yeah, it's, it's it's a blessing for a receiver to get to get a chance to play with a quarterback like that. So why not go play with him when you have a chance? Now, have you spoken to Tom Brady yet? Man, I, I, I we spoke through text because he was out the country, but I'm sooner sooner or later we go we gonna get in contact with each other. How much did Bill Belichick factor into your decision? Ah, uh, man, um, it it, it factored in somewhat. You know, he's he's a great coach. Yeah, he has those guys prepared, ready to play every game, and those guys win every year. So you, you just can't go like, on this level, man. Talent alone just don't do it. You got to have some kind of coaching. You got to have great coaching to do what they did. To be playing the AFC Championship game the last few years, so you got to have great coaching. Mm-hmm. So they played a lot. They played a um, big factor. Now I, I know you said that in talking about Cam Newton, and it is the truth, but. Cam Newton at this point in time is not on Tom Brady's level. Cam Newton had a very good 2013. All in all, how close in your mind is Cam Newton to being on Tom Brady's level? Man, Cam Cam is close, man. Like this this guy, he has all the tools, all the gifts that God can give a football player. He got speed, he got size, he's smart, he's a playmaker, he's fearless on the field, man. This guy he has it all, man. And I, I feel like if we'd have made more plays for him, man, he would, he, he would be in that, in, that, in that argument of top five quarterbacks in this league. But that guy, he's young. He's only going to get better year in and year out. And, man, he, 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 will be, he'll, he will be a top five quarterback one day. He will be in the Hall of Fame one day because he just got that. He got that next to make a play, and he got that hunger to be great. Now, obviously you signed with the Patriots, but how close were you to, to going back – to the Carolina Panthers, man. Um, actually, man, I, we was we was real close. We was real close to going back, man. We um we talked about it, but it just it was a better offer on the table for me and my family. And and you know, as a football player, your career your career span is not that long. So when you got a chance to make money and to feed your family, you can't. You you got you got to take that you got to take that step and you got to do it. We're talking to Patriots wide receiver Brandon LaFell. And, Brandon, last season, career highs for you in catches and touchdowns. Talk about your play in 2013. You happy with it? Nah, not at all, man. I, I felt like I, I left a lot of yardage, a lot of catches, a lot of touchdowns on the field, man. It was a lot of passes that was just too just, – that, that just was fingertips away that I didn't get or a couple of passes I dropped that I felt like I should have had. And personally, that I, I feel like I got I'm better than that, and I got to do better. But as a team, we did it. We did. We had a great season. We had a great run, but we just we just picked the wrong day <laughs> to have a bad day. And I won't say that, man. We ended up getting knocked out of the playoffs. Right. And and 
what do you feel like now moving forward you need to do to to get better? Man, I just need to put man, just continue continue to do what I've been doing, and that's that's listening, taking good mentoring from um Steve Smith, you know, catching extra balls, keep watching my film prep that he taught me how to do. Just just continue to do the things that that I've been doing, and as you see, I progressed every year. So continue to get better in every aspect of my game, whether it's route running, just technique, catching extra balls, run after catches. Just just continue to get better and work on my craft. Were you surprised when when Steve Smith was let go by the Panthers and ultimately signed with the Ravens? Man, it was. It, it's one of those things right now. I still can't believe, man, because. A guy like him, man, I, I feel like his only one way he leaves that organization. And that's that's through retirement. And that's on his own it's on his own time. I, I never thought that I'd be hearing Steve Smith playing for another team or saying going to see Steve in another jersey, man, that's it's still unreal right now. <laughs> now looking at your situation, looking at everything that happened in terms of the playoffs last season, you got your first taste of the playoffs. After getting that first taste of the playoffs, how much will that help you moving forward? Oh man, it helped me a lot, man. It'll, it'll just let that everybody. I'm about to tell you, everybody. When I first got to the league, I always say, man, it's, it's different speeds to the game. I was like, man, what you what, what you mean a different speed? It's like Sunday games. Hey, man, it's a, it's a speed of its own. But Monday night, it's a whole other speed. You know, only show on time. Everybody in the world is watching you. Everybody up their game. They saying when you get to the playoffs. You thought you thought your your first game in the NFL things was moving fast. Playoffs is gonna move even faster than that. And man, I, I was like, man, it can't be. And we got in that game. It seemed like it seemed like them plays was coming back to back. Everybody was moving this much faster, this and that. And it was that first quarter. I was kind of in shock, but after a while, I, I was back in the move of things, back in the groove of things. Now, do you think you know a lot of your players not? Being in the playoffs and being in the playoffs for the first time, Cam Newton being in the playoffs for the first time, yourself being in the playoffs for the first time, do you think that affected the outcome of the game on some level? Man, no, I don't don't think so, man. I just think San Fran had a good day. We turned the ball over too much. We got got a couple of bad penalties that that we we could have avoided that, that kept they kept them on the field on third and long and a lot of third downs that we we was getting them off the field and getting the ball back to our offense. And as an offense, man, we, we came out, we made a couple of plays, but going to halftime, they scored and took a lot of a lot out of us. And we came out in the third quarter and fourth quarter on offense, we were just flat. And we and we just we just hurt ourselves that game. We're talking to Patriots wide receiver Brandon LaFell and and Brandon, you're in New England now. Um this is a team they have Danny Amendola. Uh, they signed, re-signed uh, Julian Edelman. They have other young wide receivers on that roster. At this point in time, do you know what your role might be with the Patriots? Man, I, I have I have no clue right now. We haven't talked about exactly what my role is, but I know they're, they're going to find a way to give me the ball. They're going to find a way to give me a ball and put me in a good position to make plays. Okay. Okay, and you are playing with the great Tom Brady, and, he does seem to, to to put a lot of players in position to make great plays. And you talked about that. I heard you talk about that in another interview. How you know just watching the film of Brady and, and what he does and and how he does it and what he does to to make receivers like you look good. Oh uh, man, that guy is is like we watched those guys. We watched a couple of those guys 
couple a couple of their games this year as we prepared to play them that Monday night game, and we were just like, man, this dude is just whatever whatever he wanted the ball to be, he's putting it there. And it wasn't like he was making one good throw, two good throws. It was just consistent ball placement, throwing guys open, giving giving feeding them, we got feeding the opening guys the ball. It was just it was just consistent, man, and that's 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 great. Now the Patriots in this offseason, they brought in Darrell Revis. They they bring you in. This is a team that was a game away from winning, a game away from going to the Super Bowl last season. Do you feel like what you guys did in this offseason could actually put this team over the top? Man, you 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 made a valid point, man. Those guys was a game away. You know, and they, they added a couple of pieces. You know, they added Revis. They got Edelman back, and um, they brought in the guy from um, Seattle, Browner. So they they yeah. stacked up their defense, and you got you got a guy that's uh, you got a safety that's back there that's playing hell of a ball on McCarthy. He's playing good ball too. So stacked up the defense, man. And with those additions, and plus bringing guys in the offense, I feel like this team is is, is trying to make a major run, and we, and we can do that if we just take one game at a time. Now, Brandon, you're doing big things in the community with the LaFell Group Foundation. Tell us about that. Ah, uh, man, we actually um. We about to refocus my um my foundation. You know, it was like a big brother, big brother, big sister program. We about to focus it now to more of a speech development for for, okay. for kids that that got speech impediments and speech problems. Cause my my son, you know, he's he's one of those he's one of those guys that had to have speech or speech therapy. And firsthand, we had to see how how expensive it was to 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 get speech therapy and stuff like that. So we want to try to focus on something that we're dealing with ourselves. Okay, okay. And where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with the LaFell Group Foundation? Um, at, at my on my website at www.dbrandonlafell.com. So fans support all the great things going on with Brandon LaFell and the LaFell Group Foundation. Now, Brandon, I know you're on Twitter, and I, and I saw you uh, about a month ago, or maybe it was a few days ago, I'm not really sure, but you said you're on a, a month hiatus from Twitter. Is that still in effect? Yeah, man. I, I'm just getting good Twitter break, man. <laughs> Fans, I, I made a comment by, by I made a comment, the on the cam comment, you know, they took it the wrong way, so... I ain't want to be going back and forth with fans. Hey, let them, let them, let them spaz out. Hopefully, it'll blow over in a little bit. So I get back on there and tweet my fans. <laughs> and fans, make sure you you go support this man on Twitter. Be LaFell one. Support some of the great things going on with Brandon LaFell. Brandon, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. Brandon LaFell, wide receiver for the New England Patriots. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, the, the Patriots, you know, I forgot about Brandon Browner. He's going to serve a four-game suspension to start the season. But he's a guy, obviously, if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be an upgrade for your secondary. Revis, Browner, you know, this is a team now doing some things on the defensive side of football. And if they can give Tom Brady help, and Brandon LaFell is a guy that, Many believe can give Tom Brady some help. You're looking at a team now that can be successful in the New England Patriots. I mean, they were a game away, a game away from going to the Super Bowl, a game away. They were close. They were definitely close. But we'll see what happens with Brandon LaFell, New England Patriots, Tom Brady moving 
forward. I want to stick with NFL free agency. Michael Vick, he has moved on from the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Vick is going to be the property of the New York Jets. One year, $5 million for Michael Vick as he signs with the New York Jets. And my question is, I know that uh, I know that um, Geno Smith wears the number seven. Um, Michael Vick wears the number seven. My question is, what number will Michael Vick wear? I mean, number seven and, and Michael Vick have been synonymous. Those two things have been synonymous. So you wonder what will number will Michael Vick wear? What number will Michael Vick wear in 2014 with the New York Jets? I mean, it, it should be interesting. It should, it should be interesting. But you wonder, I mean, what's going to happen with that situation? Obviously, bringing in a Michael Vick is going to push – it has to. It's going to push Geno Smith. Now, you look at the, the, the situation with, with Geno Smith, and, you know, he started out okay, had some struggles along the way, finished fairly strong. But the reality is that was a Jets team with, with what they had on the defensive side of football, and, and they had a lot on the defensive side of football. What the Jets offered on the defensive side of football I, I thought that, that was a team that could have made the playoffs if the quarterback position was solidified. And, and who knows, maybe Mark Sanchez could have been that guy to do it. Who knows? But that, you know, you, you, you look at it, and I, I look at that Jets team, and if the quarterback position was solidified, you know, it could have been a better situation for the New York Jets. But it wasn't. It wasn't. The, the quarterback situation was not solidified. Geno Smith, he's a rookie, and, and rookies are going to be up and down. That's just the nature of the position. Rookies are going to be up and down. You're, you're, going, to be, you're going to have those up and downs when it comes to a rookie. Not everybody is going to step on the scene and, and, and be ultimately be successful right away, like an RG3 or Russell Wilson. I mean, not, not everybody is going to be that. And, you know, sometimes we, when we see that, we get spoiled, but we don't necessarily know that that's not the norm. That's usually the exception over the years when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. Rookie quarterbacks don't step on the scene like that and have immediate success. Just doesn't always happen like that. And so you look at it with, with the New York Jets, and Geno Smith has been up and down, and I don't think anybody can say, even the Jets, I don't think anybody can say at this point in time the Jets will will the Jets have something in terms of their quarterback, um, Geno Smith. I don't think anybody can say that. I don't think anybody can legitimately say that the Jets have something in Geno Smith. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. I really don't. And I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it at this point in time. I mean, I, I, you see flashes, but you can't definitively say that the Jets have found their quarterback of the future. I don't think anybody can say that. And so bringing in a Michael Vick does make sense from the standpoint that you have a team, in my opinion, who defensively could do big things. They could do big things on the defensive side of football. I mean, they really can and they did big things last season, and they can continue doing big things. As a team now, if the quarterback position 
is successful, if the quarterback position is solidified. And, and obviously bringing in a Michael Vick solidifies the quarterback position. It, it solidifies the quarterback. Well, I, I, I think I got a, got a little ahead of myself. I don't know if it – I mean, obviously there's question marks on Michael Vick. There's question marks in terms of, of his health. There's question mark in terms of his turnovers and his ability to protect the football. There's question marks. There, there is those question marks when it comes to Michael Vick. I, I don't think we can, can – we, we can all acknowledge that. But, but I would think at this point in time, if we're looking at it, if we look at the, the New York Jets as they're presently constructed, and you look at Michael Vick, I, I think if he can stay healthy, and it, it, is a, it is a big if, but if he can stay healthy, I think he, at this point in time, and I don't know what Geno Smith is going to be, but at this point in time, I think he gives you a better, your best opportunity in comparison to Geno Smith, he gives you your best opportunity to win right now. He gives you your best opportunity to win right now. And it and, and might come down to look. They have the quarterback competition, and, and Geno Smith might come out on top. And him coming out on top, just in case, you know, you know Renault, Geno Smith comes out on top. Geno Smith has a decent season, but let's just say Geno Smith goes down with an injury. Well, you, you have a guy in Michael Vick who gives you insurance. He gives you that insurance, and that's good. You know, because, again, in this league, you need two quarterbacks. You need two quarterbacks because there are a lot of quarterbacks who are not playing full seasons. There's just not. So you need two quarterbacks. So let's just say Geno Smith does win the job, but let's just say along the way, Geno Smith gets injured. Let's just say that happens along the way. Here's the reality of it. You need a backup. And to me, I don't think Michael Vick at this stage of his career is going to be a distraction. We saw what we saw last season in Philadelphia. When Nick Foles, when Vick went down, Nick Foles came in and had success, you know, Michael Vick wasn't, wasn't a distraction. He went in the background. And, and he supported Nick Foles in public, and from all accounts, privately as well. So this is a guy, in my opinion, who knows where his career is at at this point. I think he believes he still can play. I believe he still can play. And I think, you know, if you're the Jets, if things go right with Geno Smith, okay, fine. You have a, still have a good backup quarterback. But if things go wrong with Geno Smith and he is not the quarterback – that you think he could be or will be, then you still have insurance with Michael Vick. And we know all over the years Rex Ryan has loved Michael Vick. We also know that Marty Morningweg, the offense coordinator for the New York Jets, was the offense coordinator in Philadelphia. And so there is a level of, of comfort in terms of that offense. That offense, Michael Vick knows. He knows that offense. So – I mean, I, I think, you know, this is a good situation for the Jets. I think it's a great move for the Jets. I think it's a great move for Michael Vick. I mean, Michael Vick has a better chance of supplanting Geno Smith than he did of supplanting Nick Foles. That's just the reality of the situation. But, I, I mean, 
I'm a Michael Vick guy. I, I've been a Michael Vick guy for for over over the years, and and I I think he can be successful in the right situation. I I think this situation might be the right situation for him, and who knows? I mean, this is a Jets team that could use some weapons, obviously. This is a team that could use some weapons. They did bring in Eric Decker, um, but, you know, people have some questions about him. He wasn't a number one guy in Denver, so there are some questions about Eric Decker, and we'll see what happens with Eric Decker after getting away from Peyton Manning. I mean, just like Tom Brady makes people look good, Peyton Manning makes people look good as well. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, you look at it now. It's a great opportunity for Michael Vick, great opportunity for the Jets, and, and I think when it's all said and done, I think they're going to look back at this move favorably. I think we'll all look back at this move in, in a favorable way because, again, Michael Vick is a guy who, uh, who you know, I think still has some juice in that arm and, and still has some game left. The questions of Michael Vick are health, I think, because before he went down, um, before he went down last season, he was having a fairly decent season. He was before he went down. So, and he went down on a on a non-contact injury. It was a, just pulled a hamstring, kind of fluky in some respect, but also could be a sign of age. So you wonder what's going to happen, but if he's healthy. You got a very good backup. You got, a, regardless, in terms of at the end of the day, if he's not your starter, you have a very good backup. You have some insurance, just in case things go wrong with Geno Smith in terms of injury or go wrong in terms of poor play. Speaking and staying with the Philadelphia Eagles, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, there are reports out here that the Philadelphia Eagles are actively shopping Deshaun Jackson and. This is this is a, I mean this is bold, this is this is this is some bold stuff here, because you 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 look at Deshaun Jackson and the numbers that he put up last season for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean he was big time, he was big time, and, and the numbers support that. The 82 catches, over 1,300 yards receiving, the nine touchdowns, but also you look at the numbers in terms of 60 of his catches were for first. Downs, 60 of them. So this is a guy who is big time, and we'll see what happens with Deshaun Jackson. When we come back, we're going to be joined by free agent, safety, Kerry Rhodes. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had... Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. 
And we're back, and we're going to be joined by a guy now who is a free agent, a guy who I believe can still be productive and still can play in this league. But we're also going to talk to this man about, you know, this is a Louisville grad. This is a Louisville guy. So this is a guy who has a problem with the Louisville Cardinals being a fourth seed, and a lot of people have a problem with that. But let's bring him in now, free agent safety, Kerry Rhodes. Kerry, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How you doing, brother? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. And, and Kerry, let's get right down to it. Louisville, you're a Louisville guy. This is a team, obviously, they're in the second round, got by Manhattan, squeaked yeah. by Manhattan, but they got by. Yeah. Nonetheless, this is a team, finished the season, winning 12 of the final 13 games, but they got the fourth seed. Talk about that. I know you're not happy about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what the committee was thinking, man. It's not even, uh, it's not even close. They shouldn't be a four seed, but you know what? Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you have to just roll with the punches, man. And I think the bracket they're in right now, I think they'll actually be able to uh, to run through it and get back to the final four. So, I mean, so hindsight, look at me, looking at it from the hindsight, you would want to be a higher seed, but I think they've also gotten a uh, uh, a great bracket now, especially with Duke being uh, being out in the first round. So, I think they have a pretty good right. pack. Now, let's talk about you. I mean, you guys, you guys play St. Louis today. So, just judging by yeah. what you're saying, you believe you guys will move on today? Uh, today, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think they'll have any problems with St. Louis today. I think uh, with Manhattan, the reason it was so close is because uh, Marcel, uh, the coach over there in Manhattan, man, he's uh, he's one of Patino's disciples, and I mean, he did everything he did. Like he's, it seemed like I was watching. Patino A and Patino B on the sidelines in the game the other day. I mean, they were doing the same thing, same manualism. It was crazy. I was like, this is really a carbon copy of these teams. So, I mean, both teams knew what they were doing, and Manhattan played tough. So, I think uh, that'll probably be the toughest one that we'll have to play until uh, until they get down to Kentucky, probably. Yeah, and well, yeah, Kentucky plays Wichita State, and I believe I have Kentucky winning that game as well. And that's got to be exciting, man. That's going to be exciting, Louisville, Kentucky, if that happens in the Sweet 16. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's weird because you you wouldn't normally want to put two rivals in the same bracket. I don't think. Uh, I think Coach Patino said something about that earlier, but you just uh, you don't really see that happen. So it's going to be crazy, and and of course, once those two play, or, or if they do get to meet, it's going to be a state divided. Kentucky's going to be. Part, part red, part blue is going to be crazy, man. <laughs> I can't wait. So at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you believe that Louisville will repeat? Yeah, I really do. I think they, uh, I, I think they can do it again. I mean, you have the team that they have, the coaching that they have. Uh, it seems like every year Patino has those guys at this time of the year playing their best, and, and I think that's uh that's just a sign of how good of a coach he is. And I think sometimes he gets overlooked as being one of the best coaches in the game because of uh, because people expect it. But, man, he, he, around this time he's a killer. And then you have Russ Dickulis running around scoring 40 points. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be crazy. We're talking to free agent safety, Kerry Rhodes. Now, Kerry, let's get to you now. Uh, there was a lot of you know a lot of people out here, including myself, who can't believe that you do, you don't have a job in the National Football League. We all know the photos, the rumors. We don't have to get into that. But at the end of the day, why doesn't Kerry Rhodes have a job in the NFL? Well, you know what, man. I was uh, <laughs> actually the, the past season, and I, I was I wanted to do some stuff on my own, man. I wanted to uh, to get 
get into my production company stuff and, and really get that stuff going. I mean, that's that's what I'm going to do after I'm done playing regardless. So I want to get into that. And the, the offers and the things that I had last year just 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 wasn't conducible, conducive for of what I wanted to do. So I kind of just did, I kind of did that and ran with it and, and did some great things with that in, in this past season. So I was pretty satisfied with that decision. Uh, right now, I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still, like I say, I'm still available and I'm ready to go if it happens. But uh, I haven't gotten many calls yet, but, you know, some interest is still out there. So I'm just waiting to see if, uh, if the opportunity is right and it's a great decision and a great spot for me to go and contribute and have a chance to win, then uh, I'll be there. But you don't think you were black blacklisted at all? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Because I had okay. I, I had opportunities I had opportunities last year, like I said, and I you know I opted out I opted out of those uh, out of those uh, options that I had. So no, I wouldn't say I was blacklisted. So you're saying basically at, at the end of the day, it's all about finding the right decision. If you don't right destination, I should say, and if you don't find that right destination, you're not coming back. Exactly. That's that's pretty much all okay. it is. I mean, if I don't find if I don't find the right situation, I'm not. I mean, it's. I mean, I've made a lot of money in this league. I've uh, I've been blessed to do that. I've been blessed to have personal accolades. I've been all pro. I've been blessed to do that. I've been blessed to have great teammates. I've been I've been blessed to do a lot of stuff. So, I mean, for me, it's not about just playing just to play football. I mean, I, I love football, which is great, but I'm not going to go back and and just go out there to play football. I want to win. And like I said, I've done the other things, and I've had those chances. So now I just want to go out and have a chance to go out and win. Um, I know the money wouldn't be exactly where I would like it to be anyway right now, so it's not about that either. It's about having a chance to win. So if an opportunity comes around where a team that I think can win wants me to come be a part of their team and their organization, I'll be there. We're talking to free agent safety, Kerry Rhodes. And as a whole, you believe that the NFL is ready for an openly gay player. At the end of the day, you believe that the NFL is ready. They have to be ready. <laughs> I think they. I mean, the, the Michael Sam kid said he. I mean, he came out and, and uh, openly admitted to to being a gay player or whatever. So I, I think he's good enough to be drafted. He was uh, the SEC play, SEC defensive player of the year. So I think that's. Uh, I think that speaks in itself. So I mean, if they're not ready, they might as well get ready now because uh, he's. I mean, I see him getting drafted. I don't. I don't see why he wouldn't. Right. Now, now, Kara, you're doing a lot of great things outside of football. You talked about your production company, but also you're doing some things with fitness. Tell us about that. Yeah, man. My, uh, with my fitness thing, we have we have a, uh, an initiative called Now Let's Get Fit, where we go around we go around the country and and we uh, we bring fitness and health evaluations and everything, and just bringing awareness to uh, this this big thing that's going on with obesity, man. And it's especially with me, my hometown, my home state of uh, Alabama. I'm in Alabama, best in Alabama. It's such a high. It's at a high. It's such a high rate right now. So we're trying to bring awareness to that to that situation and let people know that we're here to do something that's going to be long lasting and something that can help affect and, and change change lives forever. And I think with with the Knowledge Fit Fit Program initiative, it's going to do that. And we're also uh, pushing it in the next the next event is next month, April 26th, in Best Alabama, Man, it's going to be a chance to, like I said bring awareness and spread the awareness to everybody and let them know that we're here to help. And that's the biggest thing with me, man. I'm just trying to help people out and and, and spread their awareness and awareness and make the families come out and bring their kids out and right. be a part of something that can be special. 
Well, I mean, it, it's got to be difficult for some of those in Alabama. You got some really good cooks down there, man. It makes some really <laughs> good food. Hey, keep, keep, that, keep that to yourself. Don't hey, erase that, erase what you just said. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> we're not talking about the good food right now. We're, we're, try, we're trying to we're trying to make them get away from. It. <laughs> okay, all right. So the, let, let's let let them eat the fried chicken, but at the end of the day, walk a couple miles. You, you got to do. So, you got to be active, man. It's uh, it's, I think you know what I think. Everybody's really catching on to it, though. I think, I think as a whole, as I mean, just just in the United States alone. I mean, I see how much more active people are becoming. I see everybody's Instagrams and Twitters and yeah. all that stuff. Everybody's talking about team fitness right now. So I think everybody's jumping along and jumping on that board. But we just we just, we just want to make sure we bring awareness to everybody. And you know, everybody doesn't. Right. Everybody can afford to go to the gym and do all those things, but. You can always do something to stay active and be in shape. So we're just trying to spread right. that awareness and make sure that everybody is uh, in tune with that. It's time. The summertime is coming up, so it's time to get right and tight. So it's time to gotta, you know get your fitness right. Got to get your beast body <laughs> right. Got to get it right. <laughs> we're talking to free agent safety, Kerry Rhodes, and Kerry. Obviously, you started your film company. It's Comeback Kids, and I hear you're in the process. Uh, of doing a documentary on former NBA star Antoine Walker. Tell us about that. Yeah, that, that process is complete, man. We're we're done with okay. it. And, uh, now, now we're going to be in the uh, process of, of shopping it and seeing what, we, seeing what we can get. We're going to get into the right hands. And, and uh, I mean, the project speaks for itself. I mean, the story, is, uh, the story is a cautionary tale, you know. I mean, everybody knows about him getting all the money that he had and amassing over $110 million in the league and, going through that process of losing it all. And, and we're going to go through all of it. He speaks openly about everything. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a great story for a lot of young guys that's coming up and that will be in that situation. I mean, you have kids that are 18, 19 years, years old going to the NBA and don't have any fi- financial literacy or anything like that. So it's, it's a chance for them to see it actually going bad for some poor guy that had it all. And, and a guy yeah. that, I mean, Antoine Walker's a really good guy. So for it to happen to a good guy like that also, it's um, – it shows that it can, happen, it can happen to anybody, so it's going to be fun, man. And uh, it's something that, I'm, that we're going to be proud of as a company because it's our, our first thing coming out the gate, and, and it's and it's going to be a game changer. It's good. Definitely, you got a great subject there, in Antoine Walker. Were you financially literate when you came into the league? Yeah, you know what we had we had the rookie symposium, but the thing about that is, man, you know, um, a lot of young guys hear that and it goes out one ear, it goes in one ear and goes out the other, you know. So, you know, I think the thing with with the young guys coming in, we have to we have to let these guys know that this situation is a real situation that can happen. I mean, not just hearing people talk about it and and talk about it briefly and you're like, oh, okay, but you're worried about your draft and worried about what you're going to play and what you're going to do besides that. You're not worried about it. But right. Right. when you actually get to see it and have people have people that have been through it talk about it, not people sitting sitting behind a desk or in a suit talking about money, but having a player that's actually been through it and um, – and I mean, been in the same situation that that player or that person about to step into it just it just brings credibility to it. For sure, for sure. Where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with Kerry Rhodes? You can just go to my website, kerryrhodes.com. Um, you can also go to my Instagram. I post a lot of videos and, and post a lot of stuff, uh, positive stuff, and stuff that I'm doing on there as well. It's uh, at Kerry Rhodes, and I mean we have uh, we have a lot of stuff going on. I also also, just finished a, a comedy that I starred in uh, that we shot that we're shopping right now at okay. the moment as well, called Good Cop, Bike Cop that we shot this summer. I'm a policeman and I'm going through trying to solve crimes on the regular, but uh, 
Obviously, I'm not that good, so we uh, <laughs> we have our uh, up and downs going throughout with that too. So it's it's, it's been fun. Now, at the end of the day, do you see yeah. yourself playing in 2014? At the end of the day, <laughs> I'm I'm ready to go. I like I said, I'm I'm telling you, like I I work out every day, uh, I train every day. My body's ready to go. Mentally, I'm ready to go. Uh, it, like I said, it all comes down to the right situation and okay. the right thing. If that happens, I'm telling you, I'll be out there. If it doesn't, I'm fine with it not happening. But at the end of the day, if the opportunity's right, I'll be there. So if you never play another another down in the National Football League, you're good. If I never, if I never play another down, I'm perfect. I've done it all. Okay. I've been, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been blessed, man. I've played eight years in this league, and that's that's way over the norm. And I, I, I just wasn't, a, <clears throat> I just wasn't a, an average player or a serviceable player. I was a guy that could get the job done. Been all pro in this league, so I've been blessed. Kerry, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Hey, no question, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. You too. Kerry Rhodes, free agent safety, and we'll see what happens with Kerry Rhodes. I mean. He doesn't believe he was blacklisted, but, I mean, he can play. In 2012, he he definitely balled out and and had a great – had a solid season. So we'll see if he gets another opportunity in the National Football League. Before we brought on Kerry, we were talking about Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson, if you haven't heard, he is, according to multiple reports, he is on the trading block. He is on the trading block. I mean, this is a Deshaun Jackson now. The numbers that he put up, you know, the, the, the 82 touchdowns, I mean, 82 receptions, excuse me, if he had 82 touchdowns, I don't think he would be uh, on anybody's trade block. But, I mean, 82 receptions, 60 of those 82 receptions were for first downs. So these are meaningful catches. The 60 of his 82 catches were for first downs. So these are meaningful catches. These aren't garbage catches. Nine touchdowns for this guy. He made plays in this system. As far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as I'm concerned, this guy, if I'm the Eagles, and, and, and maybe, you know, there's reports, you know, they're not too happy about his Instagram and, and, and some of the things he's doing on social media. You know, he's involved in the rap world. Last I checked, that doesn't make you a bad person. You know, but he is involved in those things, and the Eagles were none too happy about those things. But at the end of the day, you know, this thing is about production. This this is all about production at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we're not seeing Deshaun Jackson linked to any crimes. Last I checked, someone broke into his house. So, I mean, I look at this situation with Deshaun and, and – I, may, I know, you know, there was issues with him and the wide receiver coach. I know Jason Avant was kind of the go-between there. You also have Michael Vick, who was on the roster, won't be on the roster this year, but Michael Vick was the guy that Deshaun Jackson looked up to as well. But, but, I, I, I look at it, man, and, and, and then maybe he doesn't fit what Chip Kelly wants to do moving forward. I, I don't see how he doesn't after what he did in 2013. I don't see it. But, hey, maybe I mean, Chip Kelly knows way more football than I'll ever know. Let's be clear about that. But, you know, my eyes 
and and the eyes don't all you know the eye the eyes don't always tell the truth, but at the end of the day they also say the eyes don't lie, and thine eyes saw a lot of production last season. My eyes saw thirteen hundred yards. My eyes saw eighty two catches. My eyes saw a very productive wide receiver. That's what my eyes saw. That's what my eyes saw. Now, maybe Chip Kelly's eyes see something a little different. I I don't know. But I I just look at it, man, and and it's it's just, you know, this is a – Wide receiver, I would think at this point in time for the Eagles, it's somewhat of a strength. Deshaun, bringing Deshaun Jackson back, bringing Jeremy Macklin back, who's coming off an ACL injury, but before the ACL injury was very productive, and a lot of people were excited to see what Jeremy Macklin could be in this offense. Also bringing in a Riley Cooper. You also have bringing back a Riley Cooper, I should say. You also have Zach Ertz there. You, you have LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, Darren Sproles is now in the mix. You have players on that offensive side of the ball. And as far as I'm concerned, if Nick Foles does duplicate what he did last season or comes close to it, you're good on the offensive side of the ball. So now, and I know this, this, this draft is very deep in terms of wide receivers. A lot of people are talking about how deep this draft is in terms of wide receivers. I get that. But there's no guarantees. There's guarantees in Deshaun Jackson for the most part. For the most part. There's some guarantees there. Now, I I know the situation. A lot of people are coming at him um, for what happened maybe a couple years ago with the whole situation in 2011 where he was not happy about his contract, and and it, it openly affected him. He said it openly affected him. So with that being said, when I hear these reports, and I don't hear the Eagles coming out with denials. This tells me that Deshaun Jackson is on the trading block. That's what it tells me. Deshaun Jackson is on the trading block. That's what it tells me. So now what do you get if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I'm here a third-round pick. There aren't many third-rounders that's going to come out and give you 82 and 1,300 and 32 and give you nine touchdowns. I don't know many third-rounders that can do it. Possible? Sure. But I look at Deshaun Jackson. I see productivity. I see a guy who put up big-time numbers. I see a pro bowler. I see a big-time weapon. I see a strength for your team. Maybe the Eagles see something I don't, and that's possible. I'm not around Deshaun Jackson in the locker room. I'm not down there covering the team. So who knows? Who knows? But in, in, in terms of what's going on with Deshaun Jackson, I think it's very evident, I think it's very obvious that Deshaun Jackson is on the trading block, 
and that the Eagles are openly shopping Deshaun Jackson because you know how fragile this guy is. So why not throw out there a, a denial of some sorts? They haven't done it. They still haven't thrown out there a denial. So I think that tells us all we need to know. Deshaun Jackson's on the trading block. Who's going to get him? Well, I mean, I'm looking around. I'm looking at teams who might have the cap space to do it. Hey, maybe he goes and joins Michael Vick in New York. The Jets need wide receivers. He is a big-time wide receiver. He's put up big-time numbers. He's had a big-time season. The Raiders have cap space. The, uh, the Jets have cap space. Maybe the Panthers can work something out with their cap to get him on their roster. But you look at Deshaun Jackson. You look at a guy who's made a lot of plays in 2013. You look at Deshaun Jackson, who's poised to make a lot of plays in 2014. He's not very big, I get that. He's had a concussion, a couple con- concussions, I get that. But the production is the production. And you had him in your offense, and he produced in your offense. He produced in your offense. He's a number one wide receiver. I know they don't grow on trees, number one wideouts. But I do know this. I do know this. This is, a number, this is a guy who put up number one receiver-type numbers. You may argue that he's not, not a number one receiver because he doesn't go over the middle a lot. You may say, you may say he's a one-trick pony, but if he's a one-trick pony, he's a heck of a one-trick pony. He does that one trick very, very well. 82 catch. Here's, here's the number to me that, that trumps everything. Out of your 82 catches, 60 were for first downs. That's all you need to know, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Deshaun Jackson. So should the Eagles, should the Eagles trade Deshaun Jackson? Heck no. Riley Cooper and Jeremy Macklin, they're not number one wide receivers. And Macklin, he's coming off an ACL, so there's no guarantees there either. Deshaun Jackson is a guy. And then maybe you, can, maybe you feel like, you know what, there's somebody in the draft that I like. There's somebody in the draft that I believe, obviously he's going to come cheaper, but there's somebody in the draft who I, who I believe can, can be that number one wide, wide receiver who could be successful in my system and who could ultimately make plays in the system. Maybe, 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 maybe. Chip Kelly believes that. He obviously believes it because I truly believe at this point in time, this guy, Deshaun Jackson, is on the block. And this guy, Deshaun Jackson, may not play in Philadelphia next season. I was listening to the radio in Philadelphia, um, according to ESPN, 97.5 in Philly. Um, They're saying that, you know, a couple people close to Deshaun Jackson – they're saying that this guy may. This guy believes that he's not coming back to Philly. He believes it. 
he, he believes that he won't play in Philly next season. So we'll see if those reports are true, and we'll see what happens with Deshaun Jackson. Second hour, go for it coming up. And in the second hour, we're going to be joined by Zach Moore of Concordia University, defensive end Concordia University. And, and Zach is, is, is turning a lot of heads right now. He's a D2 product, but he's turning a lot of heads. We're going to be joined by him in the second hour. We're also going to be joined by 49ers corner Chris Culliver. And Chris coming off an ACL injury. And Chris is going to be counted on by the 49ers next season as he will be a starter more than likely with Terrell Brown going off to the Oakland Raiders. Second hour, go for it, starting right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. We're back. Have a good one, man. Okay. And we're back. And again, the second hour, a lot of fun this second hour. A great first hour, Carrie Rhodes, Free Agent Safety. Also, Brandon LaFell of the Patriots. The second hour is going to be just as fun. Um, we have, again, Zach Moore, defensive end, Concordia University. He's a prospect. Um, a lot of people believe this guy is going to be successful on the next level. He has the potential, has the skill set, has the size, has the speed, has the strength. We'll see. But if you look at his, his, some of his things that he did at the Combine, they're awfully close to what we saw out of Jadavian Clowney, who possibly could be the number one pick. We'll see. We'll see what could happen. But, again, we're going to talk to Zach Moore. I mean, I'm reading some people believe this guy could go into the third round. So we'll see. We'll see, man. Should be interesting, but we're going to talk to Zach in the next hour. Uh, This hour, I should say. Um, Phil Jackson, it's official. Phil Jackson has finally uh, signed on the dotted line to be president for the New York Knicks, and this is a Knicks team that's on an eight-game winning streak, a Knicks team that, who knows, three games behind the Atlanta Hawks for the eighth and final spot in the playoffs. Who knows, this, this guy could, could, could possibly, this team, I should say, could possibly get to the playoffs. And I talked about this last week. You don't want to see the Knicks in the playoffs if you're the Indiana Pacers. You don't want to see them because the reality is this is a team that has talent to give you problems. Carmelo Anthony is Carmelo Anthony. He's a star, a superstar in this league. He's put up numbers. He's putting up numbers, and he's, he's leading the way for this team. So you better, you better, you better, you better. If you're the Pacers, you better hope that the Atlanta Hawks get in and you don't want to play, play the New York Knicks. And I hope that the Knicks get in because obviously it's always good when New York City teams are good, but it's also good for the standpoint that the Knicks could actually give the Indiana Pacers, some problems and some trouble. But anyway, Phil Jackson, he is the president of the New York Knicks. Obviously, when it's all said and done, Mike Woodson probably won't be back. Phil Jackson's probably going to go with somebody um, that he's familiar with, somebody that 
runs the triangle probably. So it should be interesting to see um, what happens. I mean, it should be interesting to see what happens with uh, Phil Jackson. And do you think throughout the course of this deal, if, if things aren't going right in terms of, of the coaching and in terms of the team that Phil won't come down from his perch at Madison Square Garden to coach the team? I mean, I, I, I look at Phil Jackson and, and, and I look at um, his pedigree and I look at his coaching ability and I look at some of the things he did as a coach the championships, the appearances in the NBA Finals, and who better to coach your team than Phil Jackson? Who better to coach your team than Phil Jackson? So who knows? I mean, maybe, like I said last week, maybe Phil Jackson pulls a Pat Riley, comes down from his perch at MSG, and and, and starts coaching the team. But maybe Steve Nash will be the coach. Not Steve Nash, Steve Kerr. Maybe he'll be the coach next season for the New York Knicks. Who knows? And, and and the reality is, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Knicks. But their, their big thing is, is, is going to be able they, – they got to figure out what they're going to do with Melo. And, and the reality is it's Melo holds all the cards. It's up to him what he wants to do with the Knicks. So if he wants to stay with the Knicks or if he wants to go out there and see what's better. I mean, maybe he goes to the Lakers with Kobe. I mean, maybe he finds a team. I heard Houston could be in the mix. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But we all know the cap situation. We all know the draft, the lack of draft picks that the Knicks have coming up this uh, next year. This this draft, they have none in terms of the first round. So so they don't have anything in the first round. We 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 know what the Knicks could be up to, up against, I should say, in terms of cap space. We we know that. It, it's we all know what the Knicks could be up against. So if you're mellow, if you stay in New York you're probably going to have to have a level of patience because the Knicks are cap-strapped. And it's going to be very difficult to move some of the, move, the deals that they would have to move in order for them to get under the cap and to be able to be a player. They won't be able to be players until 2015. And in that class, you're looking at LaMarcus Aldrich and a Kevin Love, a Rondo. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with this whole situation in terms of Melo. But again, Phil Jackson doesn't hold the cards here. The Knicks don't hold the cards here. Who holds the cards? Melo holds the cards. And he is in charge of what he wants to do, whether that's returning and going back to the Knicks or, or, or whether that's going on his way and, and, and going to wherever that's out there, wherever he believes is the right and perfect fit for him. We'll see what the right and perfect fit is for Carmelo Anthony. We'll see what happens. But it should be interesting. I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Melo and, and, and where he decides to go, whether it's whether it's uh, L.A. Or, or wherever. He's in control. Feels not good to have power it's, it's good to, to to control it's good to be in control it's good to hold off hold all the cards that that's a good thing that's a great thing if you're in control and you hold all the cards and that's what we have here with the, the Knicks and, and, and Phil Jackson staying in the National Basketball Association um we had Jason Collins who who came out 
the other day and said that there was uh, a person in the league who taunted him uh, about his uh, homosexuality in a game. They taunted him about homosexuality in a game. Um, you know, I, I look at that situation, and, you know, I know he said that, you know, he didn't want to make a big deal of it. But I, I think, and I know he was asked a question and he answered it, but I also think at the same time, if you don't want it to be a big deal, then you just say, you know, it didn't happen, you just move on. I mean, it's, and, and you know, I don't know. I just don't really think, you know, at this point in time, and he said that one player, one knucklehead from another team, quote, and he's a knucklehead, so I just let it go. But, you know, and I get it. You know, obviously, you know, things happen on the court and things are said in the court. It doesn't justify anything. But I, I just think at the end of the day, I mean, if he, if he doesn't want this thing to be a big deal, then he shouldn't even talk about it. He just should just move on from it and say, you know what, um, you know, you know, and just say that, just say basically nothing has happened to that, you know, uh, you know, nothing's happened there, and 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 it's not a big deal. But when you talk about it, and and I know he's asked the question, he answered the question, but when you talk about it, it it, it does become a big deal because now people are writing stories about it. A lot of people are writing stories about it, and a lot of people are looking to guys like Jason Collins and, and Michael Sam in, in various ways. So, you know, anything that they say regarding this topic in terms of people taunting them or things of that nature, it's going to be a big deal. So I, I think moving forward, Jason Collins suggests uh, lie pretty much and pretty much to say, you know, no one's taunting me, it's not a big deal, move on. When we come back, we're going to be joined by NFL draft prospect, Zach Moore, you're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, to throw you, you I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can 
kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back, and we're going to bring, be joined by a guy who's, who's, who's making waves in this draft. I mean, turning some heads. And a guy coming from a small school, Concordia University, D2, out there in Minnesota. But this guy is, is, is doing some big things, did some big things at the Combine, did some big things at the Pro Day, and he's turning heads. And who knows, this guy could go pretty high in the draft. Let's bring him in now, defensive end, Concordia University, former defensive end, Concordia University, Zach Moore. Zach, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Zach, you went to the NFL Combine last month. You had a pretty good showing. You had the same 10-yard, 40 split as Jadavian Clowney, and many believe that Clowney could be the number one pick in this NFL draft. All in all, were you happy with your performance at the Combine? I was more than happy with my performance. Um, I think I showed a lot of a lot of good things that um, NFL coaches and scouts wanted to see. Um, you know, as you were saying with the um, the ten yard split, really showed my you know not only that drill, but my broad jump and my uh, my vertical really showed my lower body explosion. You know, I, you know the quickness I had within ten yards was really key for a defensive lineman. So I don't know. I think I had a pretty good showing at the combine. Now you also had your pro day as well. Were you happy with that performance? Oh yeah, I was. I was more than happy. Um, I just continued to improve on what I, you know, what I laid out. The combine went to the uni- University of Minnesota's pro day that was held a week after the combine. Um, just did position drills with um, the D lineman there, Rasheed Hagner, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a it was a pretty fun pro day. Now, what are what are GMs and, and scouts telling you? What, what are they telling you? What are they saying about you? Uh, well, for the ones that haven't seen, you know, seen any film on me, um, I worked out with a couple of scouts that were really intrigued by my, you know, by my get off and my quickness off the ball, you know, in these workouts, and uh, just just hearing a lot of good feedback. Um, they watch film. They like, you know, how diverse I am, you know, scheme wise, considering I've played in, you know, multiple fronts. Uh, multiple defenses under you know a few different defensive coordinators and uh, position coaches. So this has been all positive things, um, and I'm just continuing to build off that. Now you had 33 sacks at Concordia, at Concordia University, which is a record. I mean, there's a lot of people, obviously, Concordia University, D2, a lot of people haven't seen you play. For those who have not seen you play, describe your play. Uh, well, it's, it's it's really an athletic style. I use a combination of you know um, quickness, um, flexibility, strength, you know all of those type of things. Just to using my arsenal, I have you know long arms, a long body frame, so I really use it to my advantage. Um, I really love pass rushing, but you know first and foremost, being a a, a defensive lineman, you have to be good against the run. Um, so I, I, I just like everything about you know being a defensive lineman. Now, now, Zach, obviously you're going to get the questions, and you probably got the questions in terms of the talent that you played against on the D2 level. How do you answer that? 
Oh, well, I feel there's talent everywhere. You know, I'm a I'm a perfect okay. example of it. Uh, just because we're not, you know, really known you know, on a national scale like a Division One college, there, you know, you, you look at the statistics. There are more and more um, Division Two players, not just Division Two. Um, you know, lower level um, right. players being you know scouted and drafted, you know, each year, and that's just a, you know, just goes to show you that there are you know, talented players everywhere. Just, you know, we just aren't as televised as Division One. We're talking to NFL draft prospect, defensive end Zach Moore, who played for Concordia University D2 last season. And, and, and Zach, looking at it now, is there anybody you compare yourself to that's playing now in the National Football League? Um, I wouldn't really say compare um, players that okay. I do try to model my game after, um, mostly the right. taller defensive ends like, um, Julius Peppers, um, uh, that's my favorite player, by the way. Uh, okay. Jason Pierre-Paul, Michael Johnson, um, you know, taller taller ends like that. You know, I see what they do, you know, game-wise to make them so great, and I try to implement it in my arsenal. Now, Zach, what do you feel like now you need to do moving forward to ha- to be successful on the next level? What do you need to work on to be successful on that next level? Uh, just taking it day by day, just working on everything, you know, the the little things like feet work, hand work, um, you know, just being more coachable, be, you know, figuring out, um, just being more versatile. Because uh, NFL is a changing league, so I might be on a team one year that runs a, a 4-3, and mm-hmm. um, next year might run a 3-4. Just have to be, you know, coachable in that aspect. I'm handling adversity, which I've done, you know, several times in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Just continue to be an overall great person and player. We're talking NFL draft prospect Zach Moore, and, and Zach, I'm, I'm reading and around, and I'm hearing some people say you possibly could go as high as the third round. What have you been hearing in terms of where you might go? And I know the draft still about a month away, so there's a lot of things that can happen. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, all, every every player always hears, you know, their draft style. You know, they can go. You know, in this round and that round and this, that, and the other. But, you know, the only people that really know, they are the GMs. So, and I really don't really pay attention to, you know, mock drafts and all of that. I just continue to, you know, showcase the best of my abilities, you know, continue to get good feedback, you know, even negative feedback, continue to get those type of things and improve just so I can, you know, prove to, you know, GMs and head coaches that I can play at the next level and that I'm a great fit for their team. Is it easy or is it hard for you not to look at mock drafts? I mean, I mean, it's got to be, you know, obviously they're out there. So how, how do you avoid not looking at them? Do you get tempted sometimes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just natural instinct. Just don't look at them. I mean, you're going to be praised. You're going to be going to be criticized. You just have to know, learn to ignore both and just continue to be the best person you can be and best player. Right, right. Now, Zach, I look at you, man, and your situation. Obviously, you had Division One talent, but due to your grades, due to your ACT scores in high school, you had to go the D2 route. But you called that a blessing in disguise. Tell us why. Uh, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And um, I ended up at Concordia, met a lot of great coaches, met a lot of good friends that I, you know, I have around for a lifetime. And um, I got to, you know, I got the opportunity to play football overall, which is what I was most happy about. Whether it be, you know, D1, D2, D3, just to get a chance to play football and get an education, you know, while I'm playing football. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, um, like it, it gave me an opportunity to put a you know a small school like in Corey on the map because um, not many. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't I don't believe any players probably one or two came out and was on the NFL roster. So, and uh, I mean, and the players in my school now already look up to that and uh, against them, you know, hope that they can make it, you know, one day and be in my position. So you almost look at yourself as almost possibly a trailblazer. I mean, yeah, you can you can put it that way. I'm just trying to open the door for my program as a whole. Right, right, definitely. Now you grew up on the south side of Chicago, and we all know how rough the south side of Chicago is. Growing up where you grew up, how much does that make where you're at now, where you possibly could go all the more sweeter? Oh yeah, I mean, I grew up in a rough area. Grew up on in the low end south side, Bronzeville area of Chicago. Um, where you hear, you know, you hear a lot of crazy stories, and you know, not too many people, you know, especially young young black males make it out of that situation. So right. I mean, just to just to see me in this position, you know, and uh, and to know that I can make a better life for not only me but for my family and, you know, show, you know, young kids back home that, you know, there is ways to get out of those situations. It's just a just a blessing to be, you know, part of that. So I'm just continuing, you know, to just showcase know that that I've come this far and it's just a product of me working hard. We're talking to Zach Moore, defensive end, NFL draft prospect, played for Concordia University last season. And, Zach, for all the academic struggles you may have had, at the end of the day, I I hear you're on course to graduate in May. What does that mean to you? Yes, sir. May 8th is my graduation day, and this this has been been a, a rough and you know, fun road the past five years of my, you know, my college career. But, you know, that when that day comes now, you know, I'm, I'm able to walk across the stage and receive that diploma and you know, all my friends and family and the, you know, stands cheering me on is going to be, like, you know, the ultimate accomplishment. Definitely. And I look at you now and, and talking about what you did at the combine, you had more rep more reps on the bench press than Clowney. Your broad jump was about the same with Clowney. Your 10-yard split was the same do you feel like you're as good as Jadavian Clowney? Uh, well, you know he he obviously you know came from a you know a higher level of competition. The SEC was like the mecca of NCAA football. Right. Uh, so I'm definitely not gonna you know take anything away from him. He is an athletic you know defensive lineman, but I, I feel like I'm you know I'm just as athletic. You know I, I, I have a lot to offer. You know and um, yeah teams you know see that. Hopefully they'll continue to see that because I'll continue to improve and show that I can, you know, be be a better player than I am now, day by day. Now we talked about a school record, 33 sacks. You had 26 sacks in 28 games. At the end of the day, why should an NFL team draft Zach Moore? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sound too, you know, too cliche. You know, most guys say they're hardworking and you know all of those good things, which I am, but. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just a humble a humble player. You know, has been through a lot. Know how to handle adversity. You know, very coachable. You know, able to adjust to what you know adversity hits me. Um, <clears throat> will continue to you know lay myself on the line for the coaches and the and my teammates next to me. Um, will be you know a captain. You know, a captain type player in the locker room. I've been a two year captain at Concordia, so it's nothing new to me. 
Uh, and just bring that intensity to the locker room and want to, you know, not only help myself be a better player, but my teammates around me and, you know, ultimately um, help the team win the Super Bowl. We'll see. Zach, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. And I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Um, you can connect with me at four, the number four, QRT underscore hustler, H-U-S. T-L-E-R on Twitter, and thank you guys for having me. Fans, support this guy on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. He has a journey, and the journey is beginning. Zach, again, a pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Zach Moore, defensive end, Concordia University, former defensive end, Concordia University. Zach is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. The measurables look good. The numbers look good. We'll see what happens with Zach in May. A lot of great sports to talk about. Obviously, the NCAA tournament. You know, the, <laughs> it's nothing like it. David versus Goliath, all those great things that you see at the tournament. And the beauty of the, the NCAA tournament is just the, the one and done, the, the finality of it all, the David versus Goliath. And then it's just beautiful and a lot of great things going on with the tournament. And we'll see how it all plays out. We really do, and a lot of great basketball to be played. But I want, I want to go to the NBA now for a second, and I want to go back to the NBA now. And Kevin Durant, I mean, last night, 51 points in double overtime at the Oklahoma City Thunder, get it done and beat the Toronto Raptors. But also in looking at the situation with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, you know, you have a guy now who who is possibly, we don't know, Went out with a knee injury yesterday, but we don't know the extent of that and, and how long he possibly could be out. I don't care what anybody says. You know, everybody's saying, oh, the, the, the maybe OKC is better without uh, Westbrook. But I, I, I don't see that. I don't know how you can say that. And, and I know the numbers in terms of what uh, Durant did when Westbrook was out and how the team surged when Westbrook was out. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there, there, you can't, Russell Westbrook is Russell, Russell Westbrook, and we saw what OKC was without the services of Russell Westbrook. We, we, we saw the, the numbers and, and what happened to this team without Westbrook. We saw how they went out in the first round, second round, excuse me, because they didn't have the services of Russell Westbrook. The Western Conference is tough. So as far as I'm concerned, you – although you're a high seed, could easily go out in the first round. You're going to be probably playing a, a 50-win team or close to a 50-win team in the first round if you're the first or second seed. So at this point in time, OKC is slated to play the Dallas Mavericks. That's not going to be a walk in the park. It's a series that you may win, but it's not going to be a walk, walk in the park. You might get stretched in that series, and I talk about this all the time. 20 games, uh, 16 games, excuse me, to win an NBA title. 16 games. 16 to win it all. That's the minimum. So at the end of the day, you start playing six, seven-game series, you know, the maximum you can play is 28. So at the end of the day, it's a lot of games. It's about a third of a season. It's a lot of games. A lot of games. Maybe a quarter of a season, but forget the math. But it's a lot of games. And so 
You want to keep that to a minimum because at the end of the day, injuries change things. Injuries change things. And, and we saw what injuries did to OKC last season. Injuries change things. You can go from the bot to the top to the bot from the top to the bottom after an injury. So injuries change things. They change things. So I look at the situation with OKC, and I know they're hoping, I know they're praying out there in Oklahoma City that Westbrook is okay. They're hoping. They're hoping. But. It didn't look good, knee to knee, and those knee to knees sometimes can be a bad thing. Those knee to knees can be a bad thing sometimes. So he did say, I'm pain free. So that, that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. So at this point, he's only played in 36 games and is on a minutes restriction at this point in time. So the, the thing with Westbrook and this whole situation, you wonder, will Westbrook be healthy enough to be ready? Will he be ready and healthy enough to go through a finals march, to, to, to go through the playoffs and ultimately get to the NBA finals? Again, it ain't going to be easy in the Western Conference. It, it's just won't be easy in the Western Conference. It's just too many good teams out there in the West. Way too many good teams for it to be easy. So it's not going to be easy. It's not. And I, I look at the West. Let's just say OKC for the sake of argument. Let's just say they beat Dallas. And it's the way that the standings are presently constructed. Obviously, it could change. But let's just say the way they're presently constructed, OKC beats Dallas in the first round. So they would be slated to play the winner of the 3-6 uh, battle. And right now that's the Clippers or Golden State. Could be the Clippers, could be the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. But they would be slated to play one of those two teams in the second round. Not easy. Not easy. So the first two rounds for OKC is not going to be easy. Just not. Because they, they're playing some big-time teams, teams, again, who could be 50 win teams when it's all said and done. 50 win teams. And Dallas beat OKC the other night when Westbrook set out. So it's just something to think about. It's just something to think about moving forward when you look at the situation now with OKC, with Russell Westbrook, and the possibilities of Russell Westbrook being out for an extended period of time. Again, he told the Oklahoman, Oklahomian, I may have said that wrong, but he told the newspaper in Oklahoma that he is paid free. So you say that, and, and that's a good thing. That, that's always a good thing, but it doesn't mean anything. We'll see what the MRI says. Moving forward to Andrew Bynum. Um, Andrew Bynum and, and, you know, the saga of Andrew Bynum and just goes on and on and on and on. And right now he is having some knee pain. And right now, Andrew Bynum, he might be out for an extended period of time. Might be out, actually, for the rest of the season. He's out indefinitely right now. 
He's out indefinitely right now, indefinitely. So the reality is he may not be back this season. And this is a guy over the past two seasons had knee pain. This is a guy over the past two seasons that, I mean, last season didn't play at all, and this season he hasn't played much. As talented as he is, those knees won't let him stay on the court for an extended period of time, at least not pain-free. And I, I look at him, and this is an all-too-familiar situation. Um, I, you know, I, when, when I, uh, I'm a Sixers fan, so I, I, I saw this all last season. I, I, I saw this all last season. You know, this is a this is not something that I'm that's foreign to, foreign to me as a Sixers fan. This guy, you know, at one point he's going to come back in November. And he was supposed to come back after the All Star break. Then maybe January at one point. I don't know. It just kept going on and on and on. But ultimately, he never came back. Never came back. So who knows what could happen? I think it was worth it for the Pacers to take a flyer on this guy. Could work out well. May not work out well. May play, may not play. So it should be interesting. It, it definitely should be interesting. But I, I, I look at him and ultra-talented, but just can't stay healthy. You look at him, according to some reports, this guy may have gotten a haircut during halftime of yesterday's game. This guy got a haircut in half during halftime. Got himself pretty during halftime. <laughs> Funny. I mean, is need a haircut, but um, you know, guess he got that haircut during halftime and had to get himself right to sit on the bench. You know, maybe some women in the stands he's trying to impress. You know, a lot of women be at NBA games trying to pick up an NBA baller, so so maybe he's out there trying to impress them. I don't know, but I, I look at Andrew Bynum and and I look at his situation and and. I, who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen in terms of uh, if, if if you're the uh, Indiana Pacers? Who knew what could happen? I mean, it's worth the chance. But obviously, you look at Andrew Bynum; he probably probably won't play again. I'd be shocked if I see Andrew Bynum on, a, on the NBA court again this season. And I, I'm almost tempted to say I'll be shocked if I ever see him play again in the NBA. I mean, who who is going? to give this guy a chance. Who who was going to give this guy a chance? A, a guy who in Cleveland it didn't work out, he was, and reports where he was a malcontent, reports where he was a divisive in the locker room. So And now, you know, obviously we saw the situation in Philly. He didn't play one single game, and he didn't play a couple games in Cleveland. He played a few games in Cleveland, but again, had the issues. And then now Indiana, can't you know, the pain is can't be pain-free, can't stay pain-free. So, he's having some struggles. I don't know if we'll ever see Andrew Bynum again on the court. I don't know. But then again, this is a guy who's ultra-talented, but just you got the sense, even with all the talent that he has, you got the sense that he really didn't truly love the game. People said it. This guy doesn't love the game. Doesn't love the game. And so we'll see what happens with Andrew Bynum moving forward. You wonder, will he play again ever? Will he ever play again? We shall see. Don't be shocked if you ever don't see him again. I I wouldn't be shocked. And going back to the NCAA tournament now, Florida, 
has become the first team to head out to the Sweet 16, beating Pitt by 15. Florida Gators playing some big-time basketball coming into this tournament. Many believe it's a favorite to win this tournament. I mean, they just steamrolled through the end of the season. Steamrolled. I mean, they were they were big time. Twelve in a row to end the season. Twelve in a row. They were big time. So this is a team, obviously, looking at the Florida Gators. This is a team that is big time, and this is a team that's playing big time basketball at the right time. And we'll see what happens with them moving forward. But again, they have won, and they are the first team to to punch their ticket to the Sweet 16. They're punching their ticket, celebrating, dancing, having a good old time. They're going to the Sweet 16, and we'll see what happens with Florida moving forward. Sticking now and going back um, and, and looking at this tournament, I mean, this, this, this has been obviously a fun tournament to this point. Obviously, upsets are amazing. The upsets are, are great. And the upsets are what makes this tournament, this tournament, makes this tournament special. But Warren Buffett out there, he said, you know what? I'm giving a billion dollars to whoever can have a perfect bracket. Whoever can have a perfect bracket, whoever can submit a perfect bracket, will get $1 billion. Well, it's official. No one. In that contest is still alive. The contest is over. Warren Buffett gets to keep his million, his billion. Get to keep his billion. And I don't know how you can pick this tournament. You know, it's hard. You got, you got to pick upsets, and you got to pick the right upsets. Well, that's not always easy to pick the right upsets. It's not always easy to pick those right upsets, and that's what you got to do. You got to pick the right upsets. It's not easy to do so. And it's impossible to be perfect. It's just, I mean, it's it's been done, but it's impossible. It, it's, it's you got to pick. You know, I don't know what you got to do, because I I can't do it. I can't pick the perfect bracket. I, I can't pick the perfect bracket. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. You know, you got Duke who went out. Who expected that? Who, who expected that? Duke to go out when they went out. No one expected that. No one. Well, I think there's a guy. Actually, I was watching ESPN today, and there was a guy who's still alive, who who still has the perfect bracket. I don't know. How he did it. I mean, how, how would you think that Stephen F. Austin would beat uh, uh, VCU yesterday? I would. How, how do you how do you do it? North Dakota State. How do you how do you predict them win? How do you do that? I mean, I know how you do it, but I'm just saying, like, wow. I mean, you have to pick the right num- the, the right upsets. That, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. That's very hard to do. And there's this guy on ESPN.com, who has done it at this point in time. I don't think he's going to be perfect. I don't think he's going to be perfect. I I, I don't know how you could be perfect. I, I just don't know. I really don't know. 
And it's estimated out there that, that 16 people have picked the right teams. 16 people. It's funny. Here are things that are more likely to happen to you than in terms of, here are things that are more likely to happen to you than picking a perfect bracket. You're more likely to be struck by lightning. You're more than likely to live until you're 100 years old. You're more than likely to be murdered. You're more than likely to win the Powerball. You're more than likely to have identical quadruplets. You're more than likely to become a professional athlete. So these are the things that are more than likely to happen for you or than actually picking a perfect bracket. Wow. Wow. The odds are 9.2 quintillion to one. Those are some, those are heck, some heck of odds. You know, those are some, some, some big time, those are some odds there. Those are some heck numbers. Woo! 9.2 quintillion, quintillion, excuse me, I can't even say it right. 9.2 quintillion to one chance of picking a perfect bracket. Those odds are not in your favor. Those odds are far from being in your favor. I don't know. I don't know. But a lot of people's brackets are busted. Mines are busted. You know what? I filled out a bracket. I didn't even fill out the Warren Buffett one because I was having problems filling it out. It wasn't all that easy to fill out. It just gave me some problems. But anyway, I picked a couple brackets, and it didn't work out for me, obviously. I'm not perfect. And then that's what you would need. I, I mean, I've, I've picked a couple brackets, and I kind of forget which teams I picked. And this is the first time, actually, that I filled out a bracket in a long time. I kind of stopped doing it because it was almost like a <clears throat> it was it was fruitless. You know, it was, it was almost a waste of time. It was essentially a waste of time, in my opinion. It really was. So I stopped doing it. But I, I, I decided, you know what, let's give me a I didn't even fill out the Warren Buffett one, but my thought was, let's give me an opportunity to possibly win a billion dollars. Not many opportunities, not many chances, or and not many times that you'll have opportunities to, to win a billion dollars. It's, it's just not. I mean, you know, for just picking a bracket without even hardly working hard, you know. You know, there's not many, not many, thing, not many things out there that can give you a billion dollars without hard work. And so, hey, I figured, you know what, I owed it to myself to give myself a shot to possibly get it done. Ultimately, ultimately, it didn't work out for me. Um, my bracket was none too successful. Um, I'm not one of these guys who are in line to win a billion dollars. There's nobody, actually, in terms of that contest who's in line to win a billion dollars. I, I, I don't know how, how you do it. I just don't know how you do it. I mean, it, it's just luck. It's just, it's just ultimate luck. That's the only way you can pick these, these things right. It's just luck. I mean, you know, just, I mean, no rhyme or reason to it. it. It really is no rhyme or reason to it. Just not. I mean, this thing is hard to pick. It's impossible to pick the perfect bracket. It's impossible. I guess it's not impossible because people have done it, but 
It's darn near impossible. Darn near impossible. I mean, you'd have to be who who knew Stephen F. Austin was going to be VCU? Who knew Duke was going to be uh, Mercer was going to be Duke? Who knew these things? And and if you knew these things, I mean, I, I need to get your number because I need to play the lottery with you. You need to give me lottery numbers because I mean, you 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 have some kind of gift and some kind of knack to to be successful in terms of picking these type of things. I mean, this is it's just luck. Luck. It's all it is. All it is. Luck. But, you know, luck is on the side of those picking or those who have successfully picked a perfect bracket. Wow. Wow. That's that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> wow. But um again that's that's here's the thing about the March Madness and, and what makes it special. I think also what what helps the popularity of March Madness, just like football, I mean it is the gambling aspect of it and, and people filling out pools in their office and, and everywhere. I mean, everywhere you turn around, someone's talking about the pool, their pool and their bracket, how their bracket is busted. I mean, everywhere we're, we're we're looking around and we're seeing that. And, you know, that that's what adds the popularity of it. And obviously the finality, the, the one and done, that adds to it. And I think that's what makes the NFL playoffs and it's so important and, and so special and makes it popular is the finality of, of the game. It's just one game. And it doesn't. That's what I mean. You're the better team. Mercer, if they played Duke in a seven-game series, wouldn't win that series. Probably not. Um, so you look at the NFL, I don't think the best team wins in the NFL all the time. But it's just one game, and you need to perform for one game. If you perform for that one game, guess what? On that one day, you could be perfect. If you're perfect on that one day, guess what? You're in the house. You're, you're going far. If you're not, even though you're the better team, you're out. I mean, I look at the Giants and the Packers. What was that? Was that 2011? You know, I, I, I thought the Giants, I mean, I thought the Packers were the better football team. I really did. They were the better football team throughout the course of the season. I thought they were the better football team in going into that game. But guess what? The Giants won. The Giants won. The Packers picked their worst day to have their worst performance. So that's just the nature of one and done, the finality of it all. It's one, it's done. You win, you go home, you lose, you go home. And you look at it, that's what we see with this tournament. That's what we see in this tournament. Mercer, Mercer goes on, Duke goes home. Just the way it is but that's what makes this tournament what it is, and that's what makes this tournament special. That's what makes this tournament special. So we'll see, moving forward, how things shake out. But we all know, we all know it's going to be exciting. We all know that. That, That's what you can at least guarantee, that it's going to be an exciting thing moving forward. Going back to the NFL now, and you look at, some of the things going on in and around the league and 
Matt Schaub, traded to the Raiders. I don't know how much Matt Schaub has. I mean, Matt Schaub had a, a bad season last year for the Texans. He was bad. The team as a whole was bad. But obviously the Raiders believe in Matt Schaub on some level, gave up a six-round pick for him. And, you know, obviously that you know, the six-round pick is not anything special. But, again, the Raiders believe that Matt Schaub, and I look at the Raiders, I don't believe they have a quarterback. I'm not necessarily sure that Terrell Pryor is the answer. I'm not sure he's the answer at all. But we'll see. We'll see. So this is an opportunity for the Raiders. Maybe Schaub can get it done. Maybe Schaub can be successful. He has had some success over his career. But last year was bad. And last year was bad for the team, but, you know, it was bad. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. He does have a $10 million base salary in 2014. So uh, we'll see what the Raiders do. I mean, we'll see if he makes the team. First of all, he may not even make the team if they don't believe he can play. But the Raiders need a quarterback. Is Schaub the answer? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I would think Michael Vick would, have, would, would be more of an answer to Matt Schaub. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But if Matt Schaub, again, if he can be – uh, the matchup that we've seen, not last year, but in other seasons, then maybe, maybe you have something. But I didn't like what I saw last year from matchup. It wasn't good. It was a turnover machine. It wasn't good last season. I didn't like it. Ten touchdowns, 14 picks in 10 games. Not very good. Not very good. But if he can, if he can be that 2012 matchup, 22 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, then it's a, it's, a better situation. But we'll see. We'll see what match up. I don't know what he's going to be. But I know what I saw. And what I saw I wasn't too, too impressed with. What I saw wasn't very good. So we'll see what match up will be. But the Raiders believe on some level he can get it done. But uh, they need to see more of that 22 touchdown 4,000 yards that we saw in 2012, or, or more of that uh, 2009, 22 touchdowns, 15 pick matchup. That, that, they need to see more of that if this is going to be successful, not 10 and 14 touchdowns to interceptions, not a quarterback rating of 73. They need to see more of the other stuff. We'll see if we'll get more of the other stuff from Matt Schaub in 2014 with the Oakland Raiders should be interesting, very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if they have it. I don't know if Schaub, Schaub has it. I don't know if Schaub has it. And he's not going to the best of organizations, the Oakland Raiders. And we know what we've seen with the Oakland Raiders over the years. Not very good. Mark Sanchez is also out there on the market. Um, he was released by the Jets before uh, they signed Mike Vick. And 
So you look at Mark Sanchez, he's out there, and we'll see if somebody will give him a chance. He's still a fairly young player, and maybe some people believe that he can still play in this league. Maybe. There are a lot of people who don't believe that he can play in this league. There are a lot of people who believe that, but he's only 25 years old. So, you know, you get a 25-year-old quarterback, a quarterback who has had playoff success. So we'll see. But he's out in the market, and maybe some teams will take a chance on him. It seems like the market is starting to dry up now. I mean, at at this point, the Raiders, Schaub, Jaguars, Chad Henney, Minnesota bring back uh, brings back a Matt Castle. So what is out there for Mark Sanchez? What is out there for this guy? I would think there would be a market for a 25-year-old quarterback who's had success in this league, a uh, 25-year-old quarterback who's won playoff games in this league. I, I would think there would be a, a market for him. I would think there would be a market for him. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I would think there would be a market for Mark Sanchez. We'll see if he. We'll see. We'll see if Mark Sanchez gets another opportunity in this league. We'll see. And I think you know, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, Mark Sanchez would be perfect for you. He would be a guy that you would want. I would think. I would think he'd be a guy you want, if you believe that Mark Sanchez is a quarterback that you can depend on on some level. So it should be interesting to see what happens with Mark Sanchez. It should be interesting to see if he gets another opportunity in this league with somebody. It should be interesting. I don't know. It should be very interesting, but Mark Sanchez, he's out there. He's out there, and... We'll see if somebody's going to be willing to give him another opportunity, especially after what we saw over the few year, past few years with Mark Sanchez. He was a turnover machine, a turnover machine. So we'll see if he clean that part of his game up moving forward, no matter where it goes, no matter where it goes. Um, but we'll see. Another five minutes left to go in this show. And we had a great time today. Terry Rhodes joined us. Uh, <clears throat> you had Brandon LaFell join us, Zach Moore. Um, we're trying to work on uh, Chris Culver from the 49ers, trying to get him on. We'll see if we can make that work before we go off at 3 o'clock. Um, we'll try to get him on in the future if it doesn't work out. But you look at now, as we, we, we go around and look at the NCAA tournament, and what's going to happen? I mean, again, all these double-digit seeds out here, all these double-digit seeds out here, Stephen F. Austin still out here, Harvard, who, you know, many believe. A lot of people thought Harvard was going to be successful. A lot of people thought Harvard was going to be successful in this tournament. And it's not a surprise. A lot of people even call that an upset, Harvard's victory in the first round. They didn't even call that an upset over Cincinnati. That wasn't really an upset because, you know, this is a Harvard team that many were impressed by. Tommy Amaker doing a heck of a job there with that Harvard team. So a lot of people weren't surprised by what they saw from Harvard. A lot of people weren't surprised. But you, you look at Harvard, 
this is a team that, I mean, they have Michigan State next, and, and Michigan State's playing some big-time basketball right now. And a lot of people kept saying when talking about Michigan State, if they can get healthy, if they can get healthy, this is a team that's going to be very dangerous, whether they're healthy. So I guess they're going to be very dangerous. And Obama hasn't won it. Uh, the first, you know, the, 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 our president has them win. So, I mean, it, it should be interesting what that means, <laughs> if anything. But Michigan State definitely playing some big-time best. But I thought Delaware would give them a little more of a game. Um, I really did. Delaware, senior-laden ball club, I thought they would give them more of a game, but they didn't. But Michigan State playing big-time, and we'll see what happens, we'll see if Harvard can beat. Michigan State. We also, um, Villanova and Connecticut getting the back on old Big East foes. I was hoping, as a Philly guy, I was hoping that Villanova and uh, St. Joe's were playing that second round. And, and I saw St. Joe's and what they did against UConn. That was a game that they should have won. That was a game that, that Villanova, excuse me, that St. Joe's should have won. I mean, that and one down the stretch there was huge by UConn, but I, I mean, St. Joe's, I thought outplayed them. I thought St. Joe's was, was in good position to win that game, but it didn't happen. So we couldn't have the Holy War in the second round, and as a Philly guy, that was what I was looking forward to. But also, you you know, just looking around this tournament, how about last night, Stephen F. Austin and, and VCU in that four-point play? I mean, come on, you can't contest like that when you're up four? You can't contest like that? I mean, you want to contest? But you don't want to, uh, you know, be overly aggressive, and that's what we saw, over-aggression. He was overly aggressive in that particular situation, overly aggressive. And uh, we saw an overly aggressive play in that particular game, and, you know, you can't have that in that particular situation. What were you thinking? What? were you thinking in that particular situation? How can you let that happen? You, you got to know, I mean, you know, don't foul, don't foul, don't foul. And you still fouled. I mean, the coaches are probably saying, hey, don't foul, don't foul. And you still foul in that particular situation. That's awful. That's absolutely awful. And the VCU, they won't forget that for a long time. They won't forget that one for a long time, a long time. That just doesn't happen. That shouldn't happen. Should not happen ever in that particular situation. Shouldn't happen ever. And it happened in that particular situation. And ultimately, BCU had to go home. BCU, Shaka Smart, had to go home. Wow. Absolutely wow. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow the show on Twitter on at go for again and, and support some of the great things going on with at go for again, which is me, Paul Gant. Thank Terry Rose for stopping by. Want to thank Zach Moore for stopping by. Also, want to thank 
Brandon LaFell for stopping by. Again, listen to the show on other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. So everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great week. See you later. Take care. Bye. <laughs>